Remember that scene in Bridget Jones's diary when she was the only single person at a dinner party surrounded by smug married couples? After a marriage breakdown, chances are this could be you. Hey, Bridge. How's your love life? Oh. <laughs> Still going out without publishing, Charlie? Uh, no, no. Oh. Never dip your nib in the office ink. <laughs> <laughs> right. You really ought to hurry up and get sprogged up, you know, old girl. <laughs> Times are running out. <laughs> Tick tock. Yes, yes. Uh, tell me, is it one in four marriages that ends in divorce now, or one in three? One in three. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. You know, Cass, my, my sister is got divorced quite young and so she's in her 30s now and so she's constantly going to baby showers, weddings, engagement parties and she's always texting me. She's like, I've had another baby shower. Hi, Bridge. <laughs> We're just like, you know, what the couples as they go along in unison and they all say hello the same way. Well, even for this podcast, like every time I'm asked about the podcast or an in interview, inevitably there's the question, so are you dating, dating again? again or have you taken a lover or <laughs> you better get yourself sprogged up. Yes. <laughs> as if, as if, you know, it's not enough to be, you know, happily living my life and what I consider to be thriving. It's all got to be, you know, are you dating again? You know, hi, Cass. <laughs> On today's episode, we're going to teach you how to navigate it all, hopefully. You're listening to Divorce Story, the podcast that will help you get back on your feet after a relationship separation. I'm Annalise Dent. And I'm Cass Thorburn. Hi, Cass. <laughs> <laughs> on the show today, once you're single, how the heck do you navigate Coupleville as a single woman? Plus, how do you handle gossip about your relationship? And Cass, that's something that you might know just a little bit about. A little gossip, just really? A, just <laughs> on a very micro scale, not public at all. And gossip is, you know, one of those things that you know it's gossip, but also there's this, you know, little bird on your shoulder that says, oh my goodness, there are actually people that believe that. Yeah. And I think, like, obviously your situation is not relatable to everybody, but I think when you're in it, whether it's, you know, the, the Daily Mail or it's people at the school gate or mutual friends or family members, everyone has that same sense of feeling like everybody's talking about me. Yes. And so even though yours is on a much more public scale, I'm sure everyone has felt that same sense of <gasps> well, everyone's absolutely, talking yeah. about And me. even within your friendship group, I'm sure that it, that exists. You know, like you know that things are being said and at times you want to defend yourself or, you know, go up to your friends and say, oh, this is not true or that's not true. I'm sure that happens a lot. Mine was on a more public scale where I wanted to constantly defend myself and then it became, I, you know, I can't defend something that, I'm so I'm in so much you know hurt over at that point in time. Yeah. Hence, let's do the podcast now and talk about all these things that that do affect other people as well as affected me. Because once you're through it, you realise that you know gossip and what people are thinking is so irrelevant, really, to you navigating and being your best self. How did you handle it at the time, though? Because obviously now you're in such a great place, and you can see that you've got the benefit of hindsight when you're in it. 
How do you get through that icky feeling like everyone's talking about me? Yeah, it was a really icky feeling. I had times where I would try, I had anxiety, you know, panic attacks in the supermarket and I would have to, you know, I started shopping really late at night and then I started online shopping and, you know, but then I'd worry about, you know, I'd I'd have a story done on online shopping arriving at my house and so therefore it's like she's not even leaving the house. She's a recluse. (laughs) She's a recluse. So there became so many things that for me were a trigger about what, what can one action of me doing something lead to a story being written about me? And then I realised, well, I can't live life like this. That's not fair. You know, it still happens today. You know, if I'm asked about whether I'm dating, it's like, you know, if I try and give a funny response, um, then it's like I'm admitting to, you know, having ex... Getting know, sprogged up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just, you know, it is it's is what it is. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that I've learned and hopefully if this is happening to you in this within your friends group or even at, at your children's school or, you you know, things are being said, the only people that you owe any explanation to are your children. You know, if they ask you a question about something that they've heard and, you know, let's face it, other children can be, you know, they can overhear things in the family home and they might say something to your children. I think that's the only time that you need to explain anything, you know, and, and be honest and open with them. I think as well, people have been gossiping since the beginning of time. That is human nature. And I think it's important to remember that nobody actually cares what's happening to you as much as you do. So whether someone, it's just talk and it's noise and, you know, it's it, they're going to be talking about the next separated couple in, in six months when someone else splits up. Yes. And also, as we've said Many times, you know, divorce has been happening since day dot, right? Yeah. You know, the gossip about it, as you say, has been happening since day dot. Since we've been getting together, we're, you know, hooking up, we've been separating. It's just a reality. But the people who, what one thing that I think is important to remember that helped me was people who are going to write or say um, things about you that they don't know are true which, you know, chances are they're gossip, the people that are actually going to verbalise that, they're not good people. That's not actually someone you should worry about because they're spreading something that they don't know about. If they're a keyboard warrior and they get online and, you know, you know, say things to me that are just, you know, no one would say to another person to their face, then I know at the end of the day that's not a good person. Yeah, Absolutely. One of the things that a friend of mine went through recently and it really hit home with this modern day of divorce is social media. Mm. And so she had blocked him on social media but she was friends with his friends, mutual friends and his family, of course, because over years and years you share hundreds of mutual friends. And so information was getting leaked back to the ex. Mm. And I think it's really important that we think about our our, our digital um, footprint because if you're, if they're friends and if they're in contact with their family, you know, you need to think about either culling everyone that you don't really wholly trust uh, or just being, I guess, careful with what you're posting online if that's going to impact things like, you know, custody or, you know, you being out and having drinks with girlfriends, is that going to appear in an affidavit? I think things like that are important mm. to, to note as well with what you're presenting online because that can be used against you. And all, But also the criticism of that. I had some criticism about, you know, still posting on my social media, which at the time was private. I didn't have a public one at that time. Um, but, yes, you had mutual friends, you had mutual, um, you know, obviously there were people within – I was in the media so for a very long time, so there were media friends that were in my friendship group. And 
so, you know, that things would kind of leak and then, I, you know, I'd be, you know, accused of why, well, why post on social media? If it was then leaked to the, you know, Daily Mail or something and it appeared on there, it'd be like, well, why are you putting it up? Well, because I have a lot of family and friends who live interstate and they still wanted to see what was going on with the kids in my life. You know, I should be able to share that with my family and friends. And I think that's another moment, Annalise, where you kind of go, you know what, I'm not doing anything wrong here by, you know, having my friends over and their children and we're all hanging out. And it's actually, you know, don't be so scared to live your life because you need to live your life and be and be happy in in that moment at the times that you can be because there might be a sad moment again a week later. Yeah, absolutely. Cass, gossip aside, I think one of the things that is such a huge thing for people navigating separation is coupleville. You know, you've gone from, you know, everyone does things in couples, barbecues, dinner parties, family holidays. Like you do stuff in couples when you're in a couple and then all of a sudden you're not in that couple. How do you get through that? Sometimes in that couple situation that you're talking about, your friendships have actually changed. So um, unfortunately, and I I really disagree that you, there's this taking sides in separation. I don't think that that needs to happen. I don't think anyone who is a true friend would choose to take a side. If it happens though, and you find yourself um, not invited to something, don't worry about it. You know what? They weren't a friend to begin with if they're not willing to be your friend just because you're not in a relationship any longer. You still have, you know, the children that, you, that you've got together. Um, you should be, you know, respected and, and, you know, held in the same esteem that you were before. But if you are still invited to, you know, all these coupleville sort of dinner parties, I think that um, some of it's in our own heads about am I feeling like I'm the only single person here? I think sometimes it's our your worry because you've for years been in a couple at a dinner party and now you're not sometimes I think that's a little bit more in your own head I think as well at dinner parties naturally and barbecues from what I experience the men sort of go in one corner and the women go in another and so it doesn't really like no one's sitting around holding hands doing the hybrid like that (laughs) to me when I'm at at dinners and it's not coupley it's just people and people breaking off and having chats and having deep and meaningfuls and I think definitely from someone who's supporting girlfriends through separations I always try and do think of okay what's um say Sarah doing tonight it's her night off with the kids I think let's make sure that she's invited check in with her does she have something on and just really being mindful of our single friends to keep those invitations pumping out. Annalise I think you hit the nail on the head there because one of the things is when you start having you know might be every second weekend or whatever it is that you've organized with your um you know the father of your children you all you you don't plan ahead for that you're just you know you're you're a single mum during the week you're you you know, do this, do that, do that. You're getting on with life. And then it comes to your weekend and you go, oh, actually, actually, I haven't reached out to anyone. I haven't organised something. You didn't think to kind of go, all right, now the children aren't here and I've got an empty house and I've, I'm on my own because I forgot to organise my social life because it's not high on the agenda of a, yeah. of a single mum, I've got to tell you. Like when you're racing through the week, which all of us are, but you don't start planning what you're going to do on your night off. One of the things that I've really learnt from doing this series as someone who, who has so many beautiful single parents in my life is 
just to really keep them top of mind. And, you know, we've got this school function coming up and it's tables of eight. And I'm actually hosting the event, so I'm not on a table. But we were getting closer to the event and I thought of this girlfriend and I thought, oh, my goodness, she... I wonder if anyone's actually thought to say, hey, do you want to come on our table? I reached out to her and it turns out no one had actually Mm. said to her, hey, do you want to come on our table? And she felt, she said, I I feel like I'm just sort of resigned to the Mm. fact that I'm not going to go. And so I just got in there and I stage mummagered, you know, everyone and I said, hey, you know, Sarah Bloggs needs a a table for this, this school function. Um, who's got a spare seat? And I found her a spot and with someone that she knows that she really likes. And what we have to be advocates for our friends, I think, in those. Mm. Because so often, like, she just sort of didn't she, – she, I don't know if it was embarrassment. I don't know. She just couldn't be bothered. But we can't forget about our friends and let them slip through the cracks in that, you know, they're still part of the community and we need to make – them know and, and feel wanted and loved and, and included. Another story I've heard is sort of, um, you know, a single single women feeling like they weren't invited to couple things with married couples because they felt like, you know, it's sort of like that stigma that, you know, either you're going to, you know, it becomes infectious because you're you're separated, then my wife's going to go wayward and we'll end up separated <laughs> or, you know. It's, ca- it's contagious. It's ca- contagious. <laughs> or some married females feeling that you're a threat because yeah. you're now no longer married. Well, you know, I mean, all of that is ludicrous. It's, yeah. You if know, you're worried about, you know, your, your partner running off with a single friend, then you've got issues in your own relationship. To they're probably with. not going to run off with your friend, by the way. They'll run off with someone you don't know. Yeah. You know, like that's that's just, I mean, it's crazy to all think that way. So I think you're so right, Annalise, when you say, you know, a friend is a friend, whether they've got a partner or not got a partner, your relationship with them is as a friend. And, you know, for friends, you hang out together, you chat, you get in touch, you, you know, organize, you're a support network for each other. And that needs to continue. We're joined by relationship expert and sexologist, Dr. Nikki Goldstein. I'll tell you one thing that does get difficult is you tend not to get invited to dinner parties anymore because dinner parties are kind of held by couples who invite other couples. And then all of a sudden you're not a couple, so you don't get invites. What do you do or say to your friends that used to invite you on those I think be I think be honest with them. You know, if that's how you're feeling and you feel rejected because you're not a couple anymore and your friends are doing those dinners, if you're comfortable going on your own, I mean, I've always been yeah. an independent person regardless of whether I'm in mm-hmm. a relationship or Same. not. If my partner couldn't go, I'm, I'm still there. I'm the life of the party. So, exactly. <laughs> so if you're still okay going and you feel that you've been rejected because of your relationship status – I'd find a way to actually bring it up with them and say, I don't know if I'm just being paranoid about this. Or throw one yourself, I think, is what I, yeah. Have everybody over, but you still might have to have those conversations with people because they might be trying to protect you. They might be thinking instead of it being something sinister of you can't come anymore because you don't have a partner with you, Mm. they might be saying, we don't want to make you uncomfortable by pushing this in your face that, hey, we're all married and you're not. And that might be the the caring intent, but you've got to correct that and say, I'm okay with that. I'm really (laughs) happy where I am right now, but... I love. I would love to come to a Look, dinner I, party. One of, one of my girlfriends, I had this conversation with her. I was kind of like a bit like, oh, you know, I don't get invited to such and such anymore because they've, you know, got the couples thing. And I said to her, I can guarantee her I am not interested in her husband or anybody <laughs> else's husband. Well, that's that's <laughs> like, another really? thing that people can be very insecure of a single yeah. woman. Yeah. Right? yeah. Especially when you're 
well, I used to be a single woman and a sexologist. It was like, whoa, <laughs> don't bring her anywhere near radius of someone's husband or boyfriend. Because apparently that's what sexologists do. But, you know, that can a lot. Some, yeah, <laughs> a lot. That sometimes can be someone's insecurity, but I would prefer to go with the assumption on a more positive level that that's a caring towards you that of not making you feel uncomfortable. I mean, you'll have an inkling, like you'll have a gut instinct. If you know that someone's not inviting you along because all of a sudden you're single and maybe their husband has made a few comments over the years, like, oh, she's got good legs or, you know, something, Uh. just one of those little sly comments. And it's enough for her to go, hmm, well, Hmm. she's single now. She's not coming over for dinner. You know, it's your gut instinct will be able to guide you on that. But I think if you're feeling uncomfortable with your friends, tell them and say, I really want to come or have a girl's night. I mean, most They're people, way more fun anyway. I know. Mm-hmm. You look at those dinner party situations and I'm learning this as I get on in my age of my career. Everyone has something going on in their relationship, right? And we're seeing this on the difference between social media and reality. So you can sit at those dinner party situations and be happy that you know you don't have crap in your life that maybe that you used to and you've got your own time back and you've got your own self back and you could look around those couples and go I wonder who's in the shit tonight (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah you can you you look around (laughs) and you think you know you might be feeling sorry for me but really it should be the flip side and go I wonder who had a Barney in the car to this to this party or who's having one on the way back yeah Yeah. as as the wine flows it becomes more obvious yeah or you know who's got the gambling problem and they're trying to hide Uh, it from everyone or who's putting on that front of where the happy couple another thing I found was in the beginning was when I had child free time I was so busy organizing my life and all the aspects of that that I was trying to change and you know get excited about as well as going through court stuff the thing that was difficult for me was it would actually get to my child-free weekend and I'd have planned nothing I'd have yeah because all of and it's like oh then you're sort of you know calling your girlfriends going oh you know are you what are you doing what are you you know and then you think oh no I can't ask them they're married like it's that was the thing I forgot to do. Like I'm much better at that now. I plan mm. ahead. I look at when my weekends, my child-free weekends are and I, you know, talk to my girlfriends and let them know, hey, guess what? It's every second weekend again. I can go yeah. out drinking. <laughs> You've got to wake up with a hangover and children. I don't. <laughs> I had one of my uh, girlfriends come up to me at the end of a barbecue and she's recently single and she's got young kids and she thanked me for the invite And she was almost in tears and she said, thank you for including me. I don't get invited to many of these anymore and I just didn't want to be at home alone on a Saturday night with the kids again. And it really shook me and I just didn't realise as someone who is still married that that is happening to her and that we all need to make so much of a conscious effort to be really inclusive, especially of our girlfriends who are recently single. Who, How simple is that? Who don't want to be a simple alone. thing they, that that, you're, that yeah. someone is asking you. All you need to do is still invite me. It's so simple. It's not like you have to make much of an effort. No, not at but all. But there's still this mentality, unfortunately, in general. I think that we don't always consider people outside of our immediate circle. And immediate circle. I mean, if you've got a partner, you've got kids, you've got parents you're caring for, or something like that. You know, we often don't step into other people's shoes and go, I wonder how they're feeling or I wonder what they might need, regardless of whether someone is newly separated or just struggling in general. You know, do we reach out to each other and say, you know, oh, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling really isolated. I just feel like some company. I think it's harder these days to ask for help 
you know, I feel like even though we're, we're talking more and we're talking about mental health, when you are in that position where, and she's probably sitting at home with the kids thinking, oh, all I really want is a connection with someone and to have some fun again and to go out. But, oh, Annalisa's busy. She's got kids or, you know, so-and-so else. Oh, they've got this going on in their life. We don't tend to put our hand up and go, I need a connection with somebody, even if it's for the sake of friendship. So I think it's also up to us to have a look at those people in our life and go, okay, Maybe we could all benefit from having a dinner party or let's all go take the kids, go to the park. You know, what can I do to maybe help somebody else? Because that's going to come back to you as well. Thank you. (laughs) Today's divorce story is from my sister and her name is Michaela, but we call her Mish. And she got married really young. She was 23 and then she was separated by 25. So we wanted to chat to her to, to find out her story and to hear from someone who went through it so young and, and what impact that has had um, and if any, if, if there is still an impact. So Mish, tell us about your separation journey, your you're the, the, the younger demographic of our, our podcast. Tell us why that is. I got married when I was 23. We broke up when I was 25 and the divorce went through by the time I was 27. So at 25 for me to be getting a divorce, it was just so foreign. Like I had no cultural references to kind of go by. I tried to watch some films to get myself I don't know, to identify with someone and I watched Under the Tuscan Sun and How Stella Got Her Groove Back and I was like, I'm not mid-40s, I don't have kids, like I'm 25 and it was just odd. I had nothing to relate to and I guess going into dating again, um, I started dating younger guys when I broke up with my husband and they were kind of, I don't know, I felt like I was treated like a leper as if oh, you're married, that's like, you just want to get married again. I had guys' parents saying, oh, don't date her, she just wants to get married again. And it was, yeah, it was a really weird time. So when your friends were all dating and thinking about getting married, you were getting divorced? Yeah. And it's funny now to kind of, when I go to weddings now, it's really obvious the couples who are doing it for the right reasons and are really in love and have a sustainable relationship versus kind of, what I did and it's really obvious to identify now. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. So it's almost like you recognise what was wrong in your relationship. You see that now when people are making the same mistake. Yeah, it's um, in a Soupsol podcast I listened to, it was kind of like if you choose someone just by choice without being without a conscious choice, it's I'll stand with you and you stand with me behind this white picket fence and don't ask too deep questions and I won't ask you. We'll just go through life together. And I kind of realised that's what I was in, so I had to um, get out. But it was really scary. I bet it was scary. Like what were your first thoughts, I guess, of going through a separation that that young? Um, Brutally honest, I was talking with some friends I don't even know what about and they were, one of my nurse friends was explaining what antidepressants do to the brain and I remember catching myself going, oh, if I take those, I can stay with him because then, you know, I won't actually have to be present. So that's when I kind of realised I really need to do something about this but it was very 
I was really pulled in a lot of directions, asking so many people for advice. And I think generally amongst my friends, they were kind of going, oh, if I had a guy like that, I'd just get married this young and, and that would be it. But I just wasn't satisfied, the relationship. I just didn't think I could do this, that for the rest of my life. What did it do to your friendship group? Um, they were pretty supportive. Um, I, but I guess it was kind of like a bit of a joke. I felt like it was a bit of a joke to some people, maybe because I got married quite quickly and then divorced so young. So given that I understand that exactly what you're saying, Mish, that you had Mm. no no sort of um, examples of divorce really, especially in your age group, where did you start? (laughs) This was – it's – kind of embarrassing but I went and house sat for a friend in Melbourne for a few months and I'd never watched the Kardashians before <laughs> and then <laughs> for whatever reason it was on and Kim Kardashian was going through a Chris Humphreys divorce and I think she was 30 31 and just talking to her family about it and they went and did some being silly and putting on wigs and whatever and I just went oh okay well she's her life's not over and and she's kind of going through it okay and, and ident- identified with Kim Kardashian out of anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, oh just, I'm glad you're not with a Kanye now. That's all I'll say. Oh, yeah. oh, you mm. both are sisters. You really are. <laughs> <laughs> so what's it like now, Mish, for you? I know like we actually spoke about you at the beginning of this episode. We were talking about that Bridget Jones dinner party where everyone's oh. sitting you know, around the table and you walk in as a single person and everyone's smug married and they're like, hi, Mish. Like how, how do you feel? <laughs> feel going hi Cass. <laughs> you feel going into that that social scene as the single person now who's been through a divorce how does it feel i i feel fine i don't i, I don't regret getting married because it was kind of such a rushed course in growing up and maturing at a young age and i think it's prepared me well for my 30s now um now that i am 32 um I guess it's just kind of when I mention it to someone when I'm dating, like, oh, by the way, I'm divorced. Because um, I've definitely mentioned it too early or too late, dating when I was still technically married but separated and it takes, you know, at least a year to be divorced. That was odd for my boyfriends at the time. But it's also a great way if I'm not interested in someone on a first date. I just, I'm like, I'm divorced. You don't even have to put the palm up. You just go, oh, I got married when I was 23 and divorced at 25 and watch, and watch them, watch them behind, you know. Honestly, most of the time I forget about it. Even when Annalise was talking about doing this podcast, I was going, oh, that's so interesting. Wow. And I was like, oh, I'm divorced. I forget about it. That maybe is a good. Yeah. That maybe is a good thing. We didn't have kids. Sorry, yeah. And that would maybe is a great thing, Mish, is that because you were so young, does it really, do you see it as part of what has helped shape you? Or is it something that you really don't need to sort of, you know, ever refer to because you were so young? I guess a bit of both. Like, I don't identify as a strong divorced person. I, I take my hat off and I can't even imagine what it's like to be divorced and have kids involved. I'm so grateful that I didn't have children with him um, just for, I think, the careers that we went off into. It would be so difficult and with him away so much. And then just that tie with him. Like, for most of our the years apart, we've kind of been friends and we'll catch up every now and then because we don't have kids. Is it part of your story, do you think? 
it is when I remember it is, but <laughs> it's not a it's not a sad story. I doesn't it, it doesn't actually, define you. I don't you no. know. But don't we agree that it doesn't define any of us and that's why we've been talking about that in this podcast is what women need to know and men going through a separation or divorce. It's not going to define you. You you can you have so many choices that are going to follow this. Yeah, and I think pigeonholing people for what divorce used to look like because there's just labels that you can stick on and go, oh, that means something or um, like I have breast implants and when people – We'll say, oh, fake boobs, it, it means something completely different, but that's just a fact. I have breast implant, implants. I'm divorced. It's a fact. It, yeah, it doesn't make me who I am. Yes, queen. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's like, what do you say to that? That's just nailed it. I know. She's better yeah, than you us. nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mish. Thanks for chatting You're with welcome. us. Thank you so much. That I was hope fun. that was useful. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Thanks for listening to Divorce Story. If you want to hear more from us, follow us on socials at Cass Thorburn and at Annalise Dent. Divorce Story is produced by me, Annalise Dent. And me, Cass Thorburn. The executive producer is Eliza Ratliff. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star rating and a review. Bye. Thanks for listening.